0: Talk to my friend, Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Allen. hard conservative. I look into this
1: guy for wisdom. On September 17th, 1787, which was... A Monday, Benjamin Franklin was 81 years old. That was an old man at the time. And you have to remember what was going on. We had finally won, of course, the uh, American Revolution. We had defied the odds. Providence. God had truly smiled upon the American people because we should never have won the American Revolution. And yet after we won the American Revolution, we had to go about the difficult task of establishing a government for ourselves, right? A necessary evil. And the Founding Fathers had debated this Constitution for a long time. I mean, it was what we're seeing today on steroids. And you have to understand that everyone who was working on this Constitution, this document, was also reluctant to do so. Because they feared government, they feared despotism, and they knew they had to create that which they feared. And so on this Monday, September 17th, 1787, Benjamin Franklin had given a rousing speech to the convention To try and convince three delegates, one from Massachusetts and two from Virginia, I believe, to approve, to sign on to this document. And you have to remember, too, that the American people at this time were breathless in anticipation about what the product was going to be. What was this government going to look like? After all, the American people themselves had sacrificed their lives. We had endured a depression. And ironically, one of the reasons the Americans declared their independence from England was taxation without representation. And yet they had to pay additional taxes more than they did under Great Britain to pay for their war, right? Because wars are expensive. And so the American people, the colonists, had endured a lot. This wasn't a one-year war, a two-year war. It, it, it went on for a long time. And it was brutal and it was difficult. And we finally won. And the American people were waiting to see what kind of government was created. And as Franklin emerged from the convention at 81 years old, <laughs> a woman asked him a very famous question. Her name was Elizabeth Powell. And she said, Well, doctor, what have we got? A republic or a monarchy? And Benjamin Franklin responded to this American citizen, this woman, a republic if. You can keep it. If you can keep it. Now we're going to talk a lot about history today. There's good news and bad news. The bad news is we are living under a tyranny. The good news is we the people are stepping up and rising up. And we are the majority and we will not be defeated. The bad news is they stole the 2020 election. The good news is they stole it, which means they don't have the votes to win in 2024. This is one of those episodes you don't want to miss. This is one of those episodes you're going to want to share. And this is one of those timeless episodes. I think Captain, Captain is my producer. I call him Captain because he is actually a pilot. But this, this one will stand the test of time because we're going to talk about a slim down number of things that are in the media that are happening right now. But I'm going to lean back into what I used to do in the early days of this podcast, which was really offer my historical expertise to give you context and perspective about what's going on, to try and better understand what's happening. Where we're going, and actually to give you a sense of optimism. A republic, if you can keep it. That is the central question of the 2024 election. Will we take back our republic or give it away forever to those that stole it from us? We're living in a matrix, Captain. We are. It's not real. I mean, the the Biden administration is lying about everything. The economy. Don't tune out because you have to hear some negative news, okay? The economy is in dire straits. Dire, dire straits. And the Biden administration is telling you that it's never been better. Mayorkas is telling and admitting in private that 85% of those apprehended at the border are being released into the country. That is to say, 85% of the illegal immigrants are just being released into the country that we encounter. That isn't even to mention those that we don't catch or see, etc. But my Orcus then will come and say to the American people, "It's absurd that you would think that we're doing this. It's just lies, lies, and more darn lies from this administration." I'm going to go out of order with the clips here, Captain. I actually want to start with, I think a short clip of Joe Biden speaking near Valley Forge last week to kick off his 2024 presidential campaign officially. And, of course, to promote the lies told about January 6th and MAGA. I mean, this, this was no different, this speech, than what we previously heard in Philadelphia outside Independence Hall when he smeared MAGA Republicans as domestic terrorists, a threat to democracy. Now, I'm going to play this clip, and I just want to remind you what Benjamin Franklin told Elizabeth Powell when she asked him, well, doctor, what have we got, a republic or a monarchy? And he said to her, a republic, if you can keep it. Whose responsibility is it, Captain To maintain this republic? Is it the government's job? Is it the president's job? No, because it's not their country. It's your country and my country. Play this clip of Joe Biden who gets it so wrong and tells us who he is and who they are.
0: We'll defend the truth, not give in to the big lie. We'll embrace the Constitution and the Declaration, not abandon it. Will honor the sacred cause of democracy, not walk away from it. Today, I make this sacred pledge to you: the defense, protection, and preservation of American democracy will remain as it has been, the central cause of my presidency.
1: Well, protecting protecting our democracy, defending it—that's what he promises is the goal of his. Second term. <laughs> and of course, when they say they are, yeah, well, yeah, uh, captains telling me, but this is actually, I'm glad you bring this up. This irritates a lot of people who actually are in the know, captain, like yourself. People who study history, know America and history. We are not a democracy. We are a republic if you can keep it. Ding, 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 ding. I should have, I did it wrong, you know? I should have asked the question. We are what? And then you say, and then I ding, 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 ding. Anyway, one man show, huh? Okay. Um, yeah, we're not a democracy, and that's for a very important reason. Because democracies lead to tyrannies as well. A tyranny of the majority. So there's a lot to unpack, but... When the Democrats say they're protecting democracy, and I get into this in my book, America's Last Stand. What they really are saying is they are protecting their power. They're protecting themselves. In one way, none of us will ever understand the left or Biden, or the Democrat Party. In one way. like None of us, I don't think, wake up every day thinking about how we can make somebody subservient. Our passion in life is not ruling over people. Our passion in life is not feeling powerful in terms of deriving that feeling of power by the weakness of someone else our stranglehold over them. But that's what these people live for. I was on a show the other day, and we were t- I was on Rick- the Rick and Bubba show, actually. They're out in Alabama. They're part of Blaze TV. Great interview I did with them. You can check it out. But I was explaining to them, look, can anyone understand why Ted Bundy did what he did? Ted Bundy, if you don't know, I don't know I mean, maybe Zoomers don't know who that is or something anymore captain I don't know, but he was a serial killer, one of the most infamous. he had mommy issues and so on and so forth, so you can study, you can talk to psychiatrists, shrink psychologists about what drove him to be a lunatic, a madman, a, a mass murderer, a serial killer, but you'll never understand why because you're not you're not you're not a serial killer. All you have to understand though is that it's about power and the establishment, the government throughout all mankind's history concentrates power. It, it aims to hold the power and to make those who aren't in the ruling elite, who aren't the royals, who aren't in government to be subservient slaves. That's what it's all about. Mankind, human nature hasn't changed. We have a constitution. We had founding fathers who were brilliant who tried to do the best they could to prevent that from happening here, but it was always going to be inevitable because at the end of the day, governments are a necessary evil. And what we have today is those very people who get off on having power, who are tyrants, who have taken over our government. And the government and the citizenry are always diametrically opposed to one another. I mean, that's why they created checks and balances. That's why they created three separate but equal branches because they knew that the inevitable results, the desire of ambitious, power-hungry human beings is to seize power and hold power and wield that power over other people. And that's what governments do. And so where we are today is in a place where our government has been overtaken by these individuals. And one of the clearest signs of us losing our republic, of our republic slipping away, is the FBI. You can look at any nation throughout history, and every tyranny employs a spy agency to spy on the citizenry. I was thinking about this, and you can tell me, Captain, if this is stupid or not. Do you remember the moment you realized, Captain that the HR department, the human resources department, didn't actually exist to protect you? They actually existed to protect the company? HR departments are not paid. They don't exist to keep you satisfied. They are there to protect the government. The government, sorry, it's the same thing. But they are there to protect the higher-ups at a company from lawsuits from the employees. They are there to work as basically the enforcement arm of the corporate elite, if you will. I don't like this person in the company. Hey, HR department, figure out how to cleanly fire them or kick them out or make their lives miserable so they can't sue me. That's why HR departments exist. They exist to protect the company. The FBI exists to insulate, protect the elite, the establishment who has taken over the federal government. The FBI is the enforcement arm of those individuals who hate you. And I posted the video on my substack, drewallen.substack.com, .com. I had a lot of new people sign up. Captain, I did this interview on this gentleman's show named Steven Gardner. And this video got... Well, last I saw, it was 207,000 views. I mean, I don't think it get, get too much bigger than that. That's a lot. But, you know, it's probably gone up to 210,000 or something like that. I'm not checking every moment. But I had a lot of people from that conversation with Stephen Gardner, come over and, and subscribe to my Substack. So thank you and welcome to the to Drew Nation. But anyway, that that's that's the deal with the FBI. But anyway, on my Substack, the reason I bring that up and say subscribe or whatever else, I posted the clip of Representative Clay Higgins, who's a member of the House of Representatives representing Louisiana he was interviewed by Tucker Carlson for about 40 minutes. And this should be the biggest news story in America, Captain, but I don't see it anywhere because nobody wants to talk about 2020. And what happened? What did we learn from this interview with Clay Higgins and Tucker Carlson? The Democrats, the establishment, who is willing to go to the ends of the earth and go scorched earth and do anything they need to do to prevent the anti-establishment candidate Trump from coming in and wrecking their party, their little tyranny party. Well, they organized J6 and they didn't just plan it the moments before, they planned it 10 months ahead. Now, I did not even know, this was a little bit, I mean, it's discouraging, Captain, for sure, but the encouraging thing was I did not know that the House was even doing anything about investigating what happened. I I, I honestly, all we hear is how crappy the Republican Party is, which, I mean, they are, to be honest. But Clay Higgins is on this committee, and they have been researching, investigating. And they have access to information, of course, that we do not. And I want to play a few of these clips. Um, of Clay Higgins. I got three of them to play. I kept him at less than a minute. You don't want to miss these. And I am telling you to watch this interview. But just think about, I mean, th- what he's saying happened. It happened in America. Cue up cut one first. Here's Clay Higgins with Tucker Carlson. Listen carefully.
0: The FBI agents that were operating undercover within the online groups across the country were were the first ones to plant the seeds of of uh suggestions of of a a more radical occupation of the capital the origins of those conversations they they were started by the the fbi undercover guy that was operating inside the group and then
1: Do you understand? This is called entrapment. The FBI wanted to create the semblance of an insurrection on January 6th. And they wanted it to happen 10 months before January 6th. The election had not even happened. So ask yourself. Why would the Democrat Party and the establishment, the tyranny, the authoritarians in our government, why would they 10 months before January 6th, you know, eight months before the election even took place, why would they be trying to plant the seeds for this to occur? Odd, don't you think? queue up, cut two. This was such a brilliant point. I cannot believe I've never heard anybody point this out, Captain. And I am ashamed, ashamed as someone who views himself as a brilliant political analyst and host. I cannot believe that I did not think of this—the most obvious thing cue up play cut to captain
0: on the inside you had fbi assets dressed as trump supporters that knew their way around the capitol before the doors even open. before the doors open else how are you going to get around the capitol you've been there many times you need a guide to get from whatever door you go in it's a labyrinth it's 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 a maze inside there so that's right so there's no way just Americans, most of which have never been to the Capitol. There's no way they can come in some random door that gets opened and then get their way directly to the to the Statuary or the House Chamber or the Senate Chamber.
1: Now, remember, one of the most famous photos, and the Democrats continue to talk about it. You know how. What a threat this was to Nancy Pelosi, right? The Speaker of the House. He goes on to say in, in, in the interview, which again, I urge you to listen to in its, in its entirety, it's impossible to find Speaker Pelosi's office. These are mostly unmarked areas by design. And by design, the Capitol building is a labyrinth. You wouldn't know how to get anywhere. And yet all these people found their way to those places which the media needed them to get to, the Democrats needed them to get to, the FBI needed them to get to, so they could build up this narrative that it was a threat. They needed the photographs of people in the chamber. They needed a picture of somebody in Nancy Pelosi's office with his feet up on the desk. Otherwise, this whole narrative is weakened. It's a bust. You know, it doesn't have its sizzle. If you just say, the J6 protesters insurrectionists, they made their way to the bathroom inside the Capitol building. They used the facilities. No, you need them to go in the chamber, the statuary, Nancy Pelosi's office, so you can talk about and build it up, right? And so, look, he is telling you definitively, based on what he knows and has access to, that there were FBI agents, and I don't have the clip. Captain, let me ask you this. How many FBI agents, undercover FBI agents, do you think, if you had to guess, were present in the crowds, inside the building, on January 6th? I'm going to guess 25. Captain. 200. 200. And he admits that that's a conservative estimate. So there were likely more than that. But these people were ready, right? Now, the, the, the narr- it all makes sense, what we know. The doors were open for them. There was no really significant police presence. They wanted these people to go in there. And then you had FBI agents who were pretending to be their allies who led them to the statuary, who led them to these places that they needed them to go. All this was planned out. And it started 10 months before January 6th. And I'll tell you why soon. And it has to do with, take a guess, Stealing the election! Ding, 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 ding. I did it right that time. The right order, anyway. Now, cue up. Cut three. And by the way, uh, Clay Higgins is, is former law enforcement. He's not some schmuck that doesn't know what he's talking about. Not only is he part of this investigative committee, but he has a law enforcement background. So he is pretty uniquely qualified... To analyze this and come to a honest conclusion, play cut three, Captain.
0: I'm following the evidence, and, and to my horror, it implicates our FBI at the highest level, and a, and a, a, a conspiracy within our government at the highest level to create the, the uh, to set the stage for a compromised election cycle in twenty twenty, and then the, the the actions that took place on J four, five, and, and six, and then the the criminal investigation, arrest, and prosecution of Americans that they were able to entrap and document with the thousands of cameras that were operating that day and use that evidence that they knew they were setting up to Investigate, arrest, and prosecute the Americans that they had entrapped.
1: I am begging you. I mean, if you can't afford the book, email me on on my Substack. I'll, I'll I will. I don't know. I will. I will pay for it. I will send you the book. I can't do this for like a million people. Obviously, I'll be bankrupt. You know, I got a nine month old. But if you genuinely want to read this book, And it's a it's a it's a problem for you financially to to buy it on Kindle or whatever, if that's seriously a concern of yours, I'll get you the book. I'll get you the book. That's how important I think the book is. That's why I wrote it. But I mean, listen to what he is saying, right? This is your government. Now, the reason the FBI planned this, Oh, look, if you're going to steal an election, if you're going to go through all this process to do so and dot your I's and cross your T's, one of the things you're going to have to do, because it's obvious, it's obvious that they stole 2020. You have to prevent people from talking about it and you have to prevent people from investigating it. Because when you look just even an inch beneath the surface, no one can deny what the Democrats did in 2020. It's so obvious. And of course, on January 6th, the reason they needed this to happen on that date was because these 60 courts, right? The, the Democrats always say, and Joe Biden said this near Valley Forge, that there was no voter fraud. And the courts determined that there was no voter fraud 60 times. 60 courts determined this. That's a categorical lie. 60 courts refused to hear the cases on standing. They were cowards. They were fearful of what the Democrat response would be. They have Antifa. They have BLM. The Democrats have at their disposal an army of miscreants who are willing and eager to burn down entire cities if they're given the marching orders. That's what BLM did. And so the courts, out of fear, their decisions were wrong. But they made those decisions because they were fearful for the country. And fearful of what the response would be from Democrats if they did the right thing. This is what authoritarians do intimidation. And these courts were intimidated. And they didn't want to get involved in the election. But on January 6th, we had an opportunity that was totally lawful. Democrats had tried it before, they just couldn't get the support in the Democrat Party to mount this offensive. The Republicans had an opportunity to not certify the election for Joe Biden on the grounds of fraud. They had the legal means of debating what happened in each state to actually talk about what had happened, which means the American people would actually get a front row seat to the evidence that was not being given to them. It was being tuned out and prevented from making its way onto the mainstream media. Because of threats. And they could have. And they were prepared to. This is the reality. They were prepared to. Send these. Back to the states. And have them re it. And investigate. And what happened on January 6th. The Republicans folded. They gave up on that constitutional plan. To potentially. Reverse the stolen election outcome. And instead, they rubber-stamped Biden's certification. This was always a Democrat plan, an establishment plan, to ensure that Joe Biden became president, that Trump was defeated, and furthermore, that it became taboo and borderline illegal to talk about what happened in 2020. This is what happened. We have an insurrection that did occur, but it was led by the FBI and Democrats and others who wanted to protect their power. Do not let anyone browbeat you. Do not let anyone make you ashamed to say that. This administration is illegitimate, and the Democrats can say it, and I can say it. They say it about the Supreme Court, it is my right to call this an illegitimate administration. The Democrats were wrong, and they've done this every time to every Republican, it seems like, to call them illegitimate, but it's not unlawful for them to do that. But they are now trying to make it unlawful for us to challenge election results. That is not illegal, but they're going through all of this effort because. They know what they did. And if the American people actually acknowledged what they did, we would actually have an outcome that should occur, Captain. But we're living under an illegitimate, tyrannical administration right now. And the FBI has been used, it exists, to protect the tyrant from you and me. I want to tell you a little story. More history. As some of you know, as many of you don't know, perhaps, that are newer to the show, I am 0% Italian. I'm just a very, very pale, white gringo, wasp, if you will. And yet I speak fluent Italian. I lived in Italy for roughly five years. I spent two and a half years in Milan, Italy, working in fashion. I used to open and run Marc Jacobs stores. I spent a year studying in Florence. uh, And I spent a couple years on and off leading cycling and hiking tours throughout Italy. In Sicily, in the Piemonte northern region, which is where Turin is, Torino. So I have a deep love for Italy and a deep love for their history, uh, the culture, and many things. And I want to tell you about a spy network that was revolutionized, right? The precursor to the FBI was actually in Venice in the 1300s. You know, uh, Venice, a lot of these places called them republics. They weren't really truly republics. They were tyrannies like we have today, to be honest. In, In Venice, you had a doge who was the leader call him the president, whatever else. And then, you know, beneath him, you had a council of nobles. And the man running Venice in, th- in the, the 1300s was a guy named Pietro Gradenigo. He was the doge, and this guy was reviled. I mean, this guy had the foreign policy bona fides of a Joe Biden. He was a disaster, and everyone hated this guy. And three people decided to do something about it, and they were nobles. Um, so they led this failed coup to overthrow the Venetian government. They showed up in the uh, Piazza San Marco, I believe, and they were planning to to mount their coup early in the morning, but apparently they had been discovered, somebody had betrayed them, and they knew they were coming, And what kind of sealed the deal of ending this coup was allegedly, so the story goes, a woman threw some kind of vase or something out of a window. You know, this piazza is surrounded, right? And they're filling it. And the vase apparently hit one of the standard bears or flag bears or whoever, somebody who was leading a regiment who was on a horse and he died. And so it was kind of a bad omen. So that combined with them being kind of found out and not having the benefit of surprise ended that coup. Now, how did the corrupt Venetian government respond to that coup attempt? They existed to protect their power and this worried them, right? You have to squash this. So after this failed coup the Doge and others created something called the Council of Ten. And they said this body was going to be temporary, right? It's always temporary. Now, what was the Council of Ten? The Council of Ten was the Venetian FBI. It was a bureaucracy that was created and given the power to oversee a spy network and also to act as the judge and jury. And all these nobles that sat on this council had all the power. All the power was theirs. They had the authority to punish people, to investigate people, and kill people. That they deemed a threat to what? The government. None of their deliberations were ever public, of course. All of this was done in secret. You just might find yourself killed without repercussions. And they didn't have to prove that you were a threat to the state. It just had to be accused. So this started in 1310, and it lasted until 1797. And if you've been to Venice, you might be familiar with something called the boque di leone. La boca is the mouth. Similar, same in Spanish. Well, plural is boque. Di leone is the lion, the mouth of the lion. Now, this was, the Boca di Leone came much later, but it built on something that was started in the 1300s, which was, the Boca di Leone, if you walk around Venice, you'll see these uh, stone lion heads with their mouths open. And you can put something inside the mouth. That was intended for people, citizens, to provide information to the government about traitors, about whatever. And so actually the Founding Fathers were familiar with this and they wrote about, I think Mark Twain, actually not a Founding Father, but I think it was Mark Twain who wrote about this and and talked about how it was a symbol of tyranny. So you'll see these carved figures in Venice if you've been there. And they're usually near the doge's uh, palace, the churches, places where these important, powerful individuals would congregate. And this was created temporarily as a system to root out, what, coups and to go after, and it became permanent. It's always under the premise of it's for your own good. And so these, this Council of Ten oversaw this. They encouraged citizens to spy on one another. Does this sound familiar, Captain? They had this in Russia. The Nazis created what? The SS? the stormtroopers, Hitler's private bodyguard. Every tyranny has to have something like the FBI. And the FBI is the most powerful organization in America. And they are unaccountable. Nothing's happened to any of these people. Nothing's happened to Chris Ray. He has actually perjured himself. He's lied repeatedly. And so you can look at the FBI and you can look at history and these organizations and their existence is reflective of a society that is no longer free. A government that spies on its citizens is not a free society. And we are not free. Um, I want you to cue up cut five, Captain. This is Orcas. I just want you to listen because when these people speak, they seethe, seethe of hatred for you. Their arrogance, you can feel it. You feel sick to your stomach. Your skin crawls when you listen to these people speak. Not just what they say, but how they say it. They have no respect for you. They have no respect for the Constitution. They have no respect for the rule of law. They are the Council of Ten. They are the Venetian nobles. They are doges. They are Marie Antoinette and kings who dare you to question them because you're nothing to them. Play this cut, Captain. Go.
0: Some have accused DHS of not enforcing our nation's laws. This could not be further from the truth. Having begun my public service career as a federal prosecutor, for 12 years, ultimately serving as the United States Attorney. There is nothing I take more seriously than our
1: responsibility to uphold the law. And the men and women of DHS are working around the clock to do so. This SOB respects the people that work for Border Patrol? Captain, if I if I you know, I understand there's so many catastrophes in this administration, many people tend to forget what happened yesterday, but I am blessed with a remarkable memory, and I do recall a previous immigration situation in which Haitians were amassed at the border and invading, when that was previously the worst invasion ever. And I recall a border agent on horseback being destroyed by the media for allegedly whipping one of these immigrants, these migrants, these illegals. And of course, it was a photo that was mischaracterized. Now, frankly, if he had whipped the illegal, who cares? He should be thrown across the other side of the the, the river anyway. He's illegal, locked up, whatever. But he didn't whip anybody. And Mayorkas admitted later, Mayorkas was on camera directly attacking this individual. And he had his career effectively ruined by Mayorkas. And then we found out that in private, Mayorkas knew that the whipping didn't occur. That the border agent did no such thing. And yet he went and lied about it anyway because he wants to attack Americans doing their jobs. And he wants us to be sympathetic for the law-breaking illegals who are being invited here by the Democrat Party to replace Americans. And I've got a story in a minute. You think that's a conspiracy theory? No, it's not. Oh, Democrats would never... It's not possible in America. Illegals can't vote. Oh, really? So, how come Arizona, in their own words, in their law, has made an exception for illegals to vote only in federal elections? I'll get to it in a minute. So there's my Orcus lying, seething with antipathy for you, saying that, and I've got my Orcus, Fox News, tells Border Patrol agents that above of illegal immigrants released into the U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Monday admitted to Border Patrol agents that the current rate of release for illegal immigrants apprehended at the southern border is above 85%. Mayorkas made the remarks when meeting privately with agents in Eagle Pass, Texas. According to three Border Patrol sources who were in the room. It's treason what they are doing. We, we got to get tougher, Captain. I mean, uh, the American people have to reject this. And we have to acknowledge the truth. Captain, do you know what the penalty is for treason? It's death. I just remind you, you know, the founding fathers, Captain George Washington, all those people, they had no problem talking this way. No problem at all. I mean, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm getting through this George Washington biography right now. And I just read about the moment that Benedict Arnold betrayed George Washington. And, you know, what Benedict Arnold was trying to do was basically hand over one of the most important forts that we controlled in kind of the New York area. And, you know, George Washington had tasked him with fortifying it. And of course, George Washington was shocked when he learned and saw that it was decaying. Nothing had been done. But he never suspected Benedict Arnold. Never, ever. Of all the generals in the army, he never he thought Benedict Arnold was one of the best he had. But Benedict Arnold craved relevancy. He felt shunned because um, he wasn't named a, one of the upper echelon generals early on. He felt snubbed by the Americans. And uh, anyways, all this kind of played into his, his, his psyche. But he he gave plans and papers and correspondence from even Washington himself to a British he wasn't a general, he was a lieutenant or, you know, captain or something like that. But he gave it to a guy, his last name was Andre. And Andre was obviously a British officer. And back then, even the Americans, you know, there was a certain way you viewed officers. Uh, Even if they were the enemy, you know, these weren't Afghani terrorists uh, that you're dealing with. You know, you, you conform to certain. It's not like today where you go over and you have rules of engagement that one side ignores. Everyone abided by these rules of engagement. And so, for example, for an officer, if you captured an officer, you would not hang them. That was left for people that were beneath that level of society. You You would honor them, in a way, by allowing them to have a death by a firing squad. That was honorable. George Washington, to send a message to everyone, hanged this British officer. And everyone was against that idea. You do not do this to British officers or any officers. They are awarded a respectable death by a firing squad. And George Washington held strong and said, no, I don't care. I have to do this. And he hanged the guy. I'm just telling you that story because we are not the same breed today. Now, I'm not saying we go out. I mean, look, I, I hope it's clear, Captain. I'm not saying we go into red gallows and we start hanging people. I'm not calling for a mob. But I'm saying to you, real countries that are serious, they send a message. Real countries that are serious and understand what's at stake and understand power and are realists about this world we live in and what works and what doesn't work and how you protect yourselves, they understand difficult choices and actions. And we don't, we we aren't that way. What, What do you think the founding fathers would do if they learned that someone in the government... Was facilitating an illegal invasion to the tune of 10 million people, and then we're using them to steal elections. There'd be some trees cut down, Captain. We gotta toughen up. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, we're sitting here saying, we can't have this conversation, we can't talk this way, it's just too, too far, and yet you've got the FBI knocking on disabled veterans' homes who use, you know, a walker, and they shoot them dead in their house. All these people that Joe Biden just bragged about putting in prison for the rest of their lives, Enrique Tarrio, for example, the leader of the Proud Boys, who wasn't even at the January 6th protest, he was in Baltimore, Maryland, He got 20 years. These people are putting innocent Americans in prison for the rest of their lives, destroying their families over a lie, which is the January 6th insurrection. And we're sitting here while these same people destroy our country, and we're just like, oh, okay, okay. Do you understand the power dynamic in our minds right now? These people can do anything they want to us, and because of the government, it's justified. It's okay. They can send the FBI to murder somebody and not tell us what their crime was, but we can't talk about treason or what happens to people or should happen to people who betray this country. So here's Arizona for you. You, you, So you think a person has to be a U.S. citizen in order to register and vote, right? Nope. This is verbatim from Arizona. A person is not required to submit proof of citizenship with the voter registration form. But failure to do so means the person will only be eligible to vote in federal elections. These are called federal-only voters. A federal-only voter will become eligible to vote a full ballot in all federal, state, county, and local elections if he or she later provides valid proof of citizenship to the appropriate county recorder's office. So, You don't have to prove citizenship before you vote, you just have to do it later. Gee, what could possibly go wrong, Captain? Sounds like 2020, just every vote counts. So this is why they've opened the floodgates at the border, in addition to other reasons is because this is part of their 2024 plan. Remember, they don't have to win all 50 states. They're just looking at the electoral map, even though they tell us they want to get rid of the electoral map. And they're sending these people to the handful of states they have to win. Remember, Joe Biden actually only won 2020 by about 43,000 votes. When you look at the actual states that determine the election, that's how close it was. Like Georgia, for example which they totally stole. Did Joe Biden won by 12,000 votes, I think? All right, so this has me frustrated. So Donald Trump just did an interview with Lou Dobbs. Lou Dobbs has a new show on Lindell TV. And I watched most of the interview, Captain, and Trump is a very smart person. I, 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 if you listen to him talk about the economy, if you listen to him talk about what's happening to Americans right now, and infl- this is somebody who understands it. He, he, he gets it. But the left, and not even the left, the Wall Street Journal, I think I saw, or the Hill, um, they ran with this, took it out of context, and lied about something Trump said. Now, the media is saying that Trump wants there to be an economic collapse in the next year. But I want you to listen to the clip, and I'm going to explain something, because actually, I am impressed with Donald Trump's knowledge of American history. Go ahead and play cut six, Captain. Cue that one up and I will.
0: So what we'll be doing is we'll be drilling. We'll be reducing energy. That'll bring down inflation. That'll bring down interest rates. If you wanna buy a home today, you're middle income and you wanna go out to a bank, the banks number one, don't have money. And if they do have money, they're loaning it at nine and 10 and 11% or not loaning it really at all. Uh, we have an economy that's incredible. We have an economy that's so fragile. And the only reason it's running now is it's running off the fumes of what we did, what the Trump administration, it's just running off the fumes. And when there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months, because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. But what they've done is
1: incredible what they're doing. Do you find that controversial, Captain? No. But what's the media saying? They're mischaracterizing it, taking it out of context, and suggesting that Trump just wants there to be an economic catastrophe right now. What he's saying is, and you have to understand what he's referring to with Herbert Hoover, one of the inflection points in American history that has put us on this long trajectory that's gotten us to a point where we have all these welfare programs and we have abandoned the vision of the founding fathers and abandoned the Constitution is because of what happened under Herbert Hoover, who was a Republican president. Herbert Hoover, Herbert Hoover obviously was president when we had a Great Depression. It was not because of Hoover's policies. He inherited a situation that was terrible and in four years couldn't overcome it. But he got blamed for the economy. And and the depression, do you know who it hurt the most? Black Americans. Black Americans. Herbert Hoover was the last Republican president to get a majority of the black vote. This is important to understand in terms of where we are. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected. And do you know what his greatest strength was, Captain? His greatest strength was that he was not Herbert Hoover. Because everyone viewed Herbert Hoover as responsible for the Great Depression. Not the Great Depression, sorry. I'm talking about the collapse. I'm not talking about obviously Great Depression. Well, actually I am talking about the Great Depression. But but that's what 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 ushered in FDR. And FDR got a majority of the black vote. That's when blacks started voting for Democrats. And the rest is history. And FDR, of course, I don't have time to get into all of it, but He's not responsible for getting us out of a Great Depression. He actually prolonged it with his policies. That's the reality. And obviously, you can rewrite history and so on and so forth. But Trump's point is, we are in a fragile state right now. And, you know, he'd rather it come now and he can clean it up. He does not want to come in and have... The economy collapsed because of what Biden did, and then to get blamed for it—that's reasonable. He's smart; he knows history. People listening to that don't know who Herbert Hoover. Really, I don't understand any of it. But I pull up. I, I want to go through this about how bad the economy is right now. So I'll link to this on my Substack, but. Um, I'll just read a little bit. Pull, yeah, pull that up first, actually. So in that photo that's on the screen, if you're watching, if you're listening, I'll tell you what you're going to see. It lists the top uh, job providers, if you will, the top employers in America. And the U.S. government is the second largest employer in our economy. You have healthcare, which is basically run by the government, as number one. Then you have the government, and then you have leisure and hospitality. A nation whose government is the second largest employer in the country, that's not a sustainable economy. So you can pull it down, Captain. But I want to tell you, so so, there's been an increase in government employment which is accounting for 23 million positions. That means there's 23 million people working for the government. Now, do I need to explain to you how this is a, is a burden on the private productive sector? So every government job, every single, for every single government job is sustained, paid for, by taxes of 3 private sector jobs so for every government job created that's three private sector jobs individuals human beings whose taxes go to paying that person's salary that's not a good ratio does that make sense Captain? now I want to tell you other things the government is not being honest about the economy they're lying about everything. What they're doing is they're telling you they created X amount of jobs to make things look good on a report, and then they're later just revising them down. So they're just lying about it. And then by the time they they revise the job numbers to reflect reality, you've already moved on and forgotten about it. So the latest job report from the Labor Department reveals that um, we've had a loss of 1.5 million full-time positions, which have been replaced by part-time gig economy roles. So 9 million gig jobs like DoorDash, Do- DoorDash that are counted as jobs. So, for example, the Department of Labor has quietly revised a cumulative reduction of 430,000 jobs from the 2023 reports. So that's an overestimate. They're lying by 40,000 jobs per month. You may recall this. I'm going to remind you with my elephant brain. Uh, Pull up photo one, Captain. This is from twenty twenty. 2020, da, 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 22. December of 2022. The headline, Biden's second quarter job numbers off by 1 million, Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank says. Now in Q2 of 2022, the Biden administration said they created over 1 million jobs. And then in December of that same year, The Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank actually looked at the numbers themselves and realized they'd only created 10,000 jobs. In other words, for a full year, you believed that Biden had created a million jobs, but he'd only created 10,000. You can pull it down, Captain. And this is a trick the government always uses. They prefer, prefer to use something called the U3 unemployment numbers, unemployment three, is, is a, but economists use the U6. Now, just to be clear, U3 numbers always make unemployment look better because they exclude part-timers. Uh, they don't include people who aren't looking for work. So if you're unemployed but not actually applying for jobs, you're not even reflected or viewed by the government as unemployed. So it's not true. So when they keep saying, oh, we've got this low unemployment, it's stayed low, 3.7%. If you use the U6 numbers, which include people who are unemployed but not applying for jobs and others who they disregard, you're looking at 7.5%. 7.5%. So Trump is exactly right. This economy is incredibly fragile right now it's being held up by government spending, which is superficial and going to exacerbate things. I mean, our debt is, is is just impossible right now. The interest rate we're paying is not sustainable either. So it's not good. It's not good. And, and one more thing I want to end with this, Captain. Your FBI just to drive it home that they don't exist to actually protect Americans. They exist to protect the government and the establishment and the tyrants. There was a recent shooting I talked about last episode in Iowa. And the FBI apparently knew about this discussion of carrying out a school massacre weeks before. So the Discord server, it's just some social media thing, dedicated to discussing school shootings to which this 17-year-old murderer belonged to well he had talked about it in this discussion group and it was brought to the FBI's attention according to NBC news this school massacre's discussion server was flagged by a fellow user and sent to the FBI in November an agent reached out to the user for more information But when additional screenshots were provided, they never heard anything back. This person was so alarmed by this future killer's behavior and talk that they alerted the FBI and then gave them additional evidence. And the FBI didn't do anything. Anything. So the FBI, obviously doesn't exist to protect us. And you have to ask yourself, at some point, Captain, most of these mass shootings, there is always warning ahead of time. And oftentimes, the FBI is made aware of it. And yet the FBI doesn't take action, which makes me think, if you were the FBI, Captain, and you were told that somebody is planning on carrying out a mass shooting in detail, and you decide not to do anything, you must want it to happen. The FBI is the most powerful entity in America, and they are your sworn enemy. All right, this is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. That's all for today. God bless you all. And until next time.
0: Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great... Young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew conservative. Allen. As die conservative. I look into this guy for wisdom.